Welcome back to Flyover Territory Podcast. As always, co-host Woody with me on this glorious uh, late April evening is uh, co-host Dave. Dave, how are we doing? What do you, uh, the softball team to which we both belong to is 2-0. Great opening night last night. Um, and that's about the only successful uh, baseball, softball-related squad in all of Minnesota, I believe. So I'm doing good. I've got a fresh beverage here, um, and I'm I'm smiling and just kind of laughing at where the Minnesota Twins ball club has found themselves here on April 27th, like you said, late in the evening after another collapse in Cleveland. So doing good. I, I think, like you had said, uh, we could spin this as like, what are the positives right now? But you know what? Let's let's grin and bear it, Woody. Let's get right into it. This ball club is bad, bad, like seven and fifteen, bad. And I, I just sticking with this kind of like, what the hell happened? Uh, more so, let's do a little bit of the blame game. When you're sitting here again, April twenty seventh, they played twenty two games, Woody. Who is to blame for a seven and fifteen start? <laughs> Getting right into it.
Yeah. I want to stick with that that team construction first and foremost because I mean, dialing it back. You and I both were. I think I think we were trending positive at the beginning of the season, thinking that this team, the way it was constructed, could um, respond to adversity. Uh, was built to have some flexibility, especially infield wise, left field, right field, being able to move guys around and. Man, that that has been, I think actually going back and I, I will defend the team construct to one degree to kind of be like, you put together a squad that in a usual year and usual circumstances could have could have weathered some of these storms. I think this COVID thing hitting it hard uh, has been a really a sneaky understated blow to the twins with losing Kepler, um, Anderson Simmons uh, were big losses. And that's that just is a lot to overcome early on, especially when you look around the league and you're kind of the only team that's battled COVID outside of what was the Mets nationals opening day weekend that got pushed around a little bit. So the twins found themselves kind of the spotlight, I feel of COVID related issues. And, and that's, that's, I was a, that came right at the beginning of this schneid that they're on right now. And I, you know, they've, they've won two out of their last 15 games. Is that possible? Like it's, it's really, really something around those lines of last 13, 14, couple 13, 14. Um, and, and the construct of the team, I think to an extent has been really challenged by that. And what team wouldn't be if, if you're all of a sudden down to bare bones in terms of your options. So I, I will kind of give some wiggle room and say like hey you, you put together a squad you thought like hey usual nicks bangs dings we'll still be able to roll out a major league lineup and that's been tested but what is unforgivable is this bullpen and thinking that colomay was the the basically the only move you needed to make robles as well and you'd be good to go because clearly alex colomay has been chief culprit in terms of losing like that loss is on him. Um, and he was brought in to be that spot. And he's been rolled out by Rocco every single time to be that guy. I That's team construct. That's team management. So front office and Rocco at fault for that. But I, I see the bullpen as being the biggest uh, failure in terms of team construct. And it's you, you, you rolled your dice on Alex Coleman. Clearly, he is not going to be able to do it. Um, and, and that's, that was kind of where I wanted to take that conversation is what do you do? Do you, do they seriously cut him? Cause I, I, at this point I'm as a frustrated fan, that's what I'm wanting to happen. It's just, it's done. It's over. I'm not seeing any improvement. You've given him every single opportunity, but then, then what do you do? You know, you don't have Alex Colomay. There is nothing, um, left to replace him. So, so that, that's my thought on the team construct. I love the point about like every single person on this club bears some responsibility outside of Byron and Nelson Cruz. Uh, that's absolutely true. And Rocco, man, just in-game management. And apparently this is outside. And I, I don't know, how, do you have a sense of, I, I watch a little bit of his news com or his press, press reports afterwards and 
you know, some, some friends of ours are, are screaming murder right now with how he kind of is approaching being like, well, it's tough games. You know, you win some, some of it's out of our control. It's like, dude, you're the guy that forced Barrios to leave the game the other night because you came in when you didn't have any pitching or mound visits left. So in this, this insistence to leave Colomay in these spots, it's all on the manager. And I, I, I guess I don't see Rocco Baldelli as being personality wise. And again, from a, a distance away, the guy that's going to like lock the door, throw a chair against the wall and yell at Josh Donaldson and get, you know, the most out of these guys. That's, that doesn't seem to be his personality. So I, I how is he supposed to turn this thing around? Yeah, yeah it's big <clears throat> shoulder shrug. Like I, I don't see him being the catalyst to some kind of change. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, I, we're, as, as, as mentioned before on this pod, we're both big, uh, you know, European soccer fans, soccer, you know, soccer in general fans, uh, uh, Premier League supporters uh, of various clubs. Um, (laughs) Or some out for Super League. (laughs) uh, It's, which, yeah, luckily we delayed this pod a week otherwise this would have just been super league for an hour yep. and a half but you know it kind of reminds me of a weird situation with Rocco where the feeling I get and I don't watch the press conferences because by then I'm usually so frustrated that we yes you know just blew another game that to a point that we'll probably bring up here soon that's on the on the note sheet of these are games that playoff teams and winning teams don't lose uh it it the at least not this many. You get one every once in a while. Don't get me wrong. Everybody does. 162 games. That's going to show up every once in a while. But it doesn't show up 15 times in the 22. And not all, obviously, not all 15 were that. But still, you get my point here. Um, you get the sense, though, that Rocco doesn't know what to do. He's never been here really as a player. Um, and, and, again, not, not his fault there. He was always battling injuries, though, you know, right? He had the success in 08 with that first Rays team. I believe he was kind of a part of that. That have already already might have been some of the injury stuff. But um, he has never, like, been a manager in a situation like this. You know, it's like he has some experience, you know, being a coach, but not, like, the guy in charge and had other guys there. And you look at this, you know, the, the other coaching staff guys here, you know, usually when you hire that young, like, up-and-coming data-driven coach, manager, whatever, in any sport, uh, you usually bring on, like, an associate head coach or, like, an assistant, whatever, who's been there before, done it, uh, you know, understands the the ins and outs of the season, being in a leadership role, hopefully who's had some success, but then, like, again, maybe some things fell apart that were either out of his control or something that you didn't want him to be the lead guy anymore. Um, you get the sense we don't really have that on this team. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of... A manager who now I'm very positive on, as I bring it back to the soccer part here, but I think initially was really frustrated with in my Manchester United uh, man in charge here with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where same kind of deal. He came in, former player, uh, a guy that gets the modern player's perspective, is very much like, I'm here to support you. I'm not going to do, you know, I'm going to push the right buttons, but I'm not going to be this like, you know, 55-year-old coach who's been there, done that, knows it all, and just yells at you to get my way because my way has worked before, so therefore it'll work again. He was very that. But the problem is the results didn't come with it, and he didn't really understand, like, hey, you got, you're got you not a player anymore. 
you're the manager, you're the guy in charge. And that's where I feel like Rocco right now is really going to have to develop. And and here's the thing, right? Kind of with Ole, and he's kind of figured it out, although we haven't won shit. So I, I shouldn't say like he's actually figured it out. But like second place trophy coming your way. Hey, um, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I'll, I'll take it this year. Uh, <laughs> Bite your arm off for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, it's you, you worry that, granted, we don't really have anybody. And I'll bring up a name at the end of this that, if he's still around and like able to do this, maybe, but like you get the sense that like, Hey, if, if management decides that a wild card spot or even the division for some stupid reason is reachable, we rarely ever see the in season baseball manager fire yeah. replacement, right? That just never happens unless they absolutely suck. And like, they're not going anywhere. And you know, the manager lets, you know, star players go take naps during the game. But like, other than that, we don't really see managers get fired in season. But if, like, we're supposed to be winning the AL Central this year, we're supposed to go win our first playoff game, series, go advance, maybe ALCS, whatever, this year. Like, we're here. That window is open for a yep. short period of time. And we're wasting the Buxton season. We're wasting Nelson Cruz's maybe last season like like this, too. You wonder if, hey – I know you're figuring out how to manage these like rocky, rough parts of the season where it's not really working, and I hate that it's the start of the season, but we need to make a change to tell and show these players on this team and this organization, guys, we're not fucking around here. Like We expect to win. This is not the twins of the 90s and 2000s. Like We're not just going to sit and wait. And a guy that I wanted to hire originally, and I'm okay with Rocco, but a guy like Doug Mankiewicz, if he's just sitting around and willing to come in and maybe can be, again, Hey, I know the player perspective, so you're going to get that still. But we just need a different voice. And I know two and a half years seems short. But again, like this regression is really worrisome. Like really, really worrisome that you don't need to see often. And maybe like unfamiliar circumstances call for unfamiliar decisions. And that might be the first. I don't even know when the last one is. I couldn't tell you. But like the first in a very long time of in-season manager switches or changes. And I, I'm just, you know, Paul Molitor was the manager of the Twins for four seasons. Now, those were four full seasons I, I would stake a large sum on. But, yeah, I, it, it's it's one of those. It's April, and there's still probably the right call is to say, like, yeah, Rocco's really fighting it right now. And maybe this is that, you know, adversity shows off your true character. And there might be some low points. I, I just, as a, as a fan, I keep like scraping the bottom of the barrel for the low point for this season. Like, it's just, it's tough to watch. It's, it's really, really tough to watch when you hand the ball off to this bullpen and you're like, well, they're going to score three runs. Do we have a lead? And, and I'll point out a couple games. I love that you brought up the fact that good teams don't lose these games. And we'll maybe give the COVID excuse and some other things for the last two weeks, but go back to the beginning of the season. Right away, all of those extra inning games that the Twins lost, and you can bitch and moan about the extra inning um, rule and how it's all set up with the runner on second, but it's inexcusable that the Twins were not able to score a run. And I don't think they've scored a run yet in the 10th inning. Um, and that's that's all of those games the Twins shouldn't have been in those positions, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. Like they should have, they had chances to win those games earlier. The, the game against the Brewers was ext- especially troublesome. Um, when you're kind of Dobnak got put in a, a no-win situation. But if there was a feel-good story coming out of spring, it was like Dobnak contract extension. Well, this could be his moment. He could step up and prove to be the, the guy to get uh, keep this game alive and maybe keep that story rolling. And I feel like Woody, for me, that was when this season all of a sudden like 
it wobbled and it never, even though we had those wins afterwards, it was like lost Donaldson game one. Dobnak blew that, blew, couldn't hold down the Brewers. And then it was like, we, we came up to, or like the twins were coming up against um, Josh Hader. And it was like, Astadio, <laughs> Arias. And I think we're like excited for Arias bat, but Astadio, like, you know, first pitch swinging, like pop up to the third base. And it was just, it, again, a combination shouldn't have been in that spot. And then every subsequent close game, it was like, these are games we should have put away earlier. And, and that semblance of like, whoa, something is really off with that has just really snowballed. Add the COVID, losing Kepler, losing Andrelton Simmons for extended period of time, not having Donaldson. Although they still were winning games without Donaldson, now Donaldson's back and things haven't changed too much. Um, so that, that point about winning games, it was just on the whole, those, those early tough losses are like, yeah, sometimes the bar is going to eat you, but good teams – don't let themselves get in that position. If you're not a good team, you're constantly finding yourself in that position and losing those games as a result because you're not a good team. You don't have the collective wherewithal to win those games. And shit, they've had tons of opportunities to win tight ball games. That Oakland A's game, the battle, what did they lose, 13-12? Oh, that was a game that just pissed away, and that was one where you had every chance to win that your guys showed up, you scored some runs, and the the fact you couldn't win that game is is you know point as a low point. Sure. Well, two days later, here we are calling out and finding a whole new low point with Colomay's latest debacle. And the hitting batters as a reliever, that is on par with Sergio Romo's absolute atrocious at bat against Jose Altuve. Throw the ball over the plate. Do not give up free passes. Elkala, I can kind of understand because he doesn't have an idea where he's throwing the ball half the time. And that's because he's throwing at 98. But Colomay, like, I understand you got to hit corners and you don't have the stuff you're used to, but you can't hit batters. You, you just can't put men on for free. And that, yeah, that back to my point of like, good teams don't do that. Good teams get the ball, put it in play. You have this great defense behind you. And that's not what they're able to do. So. The one saving grace that I will say about us not winning these games and games that we both acknowledge and, and probably many people acknowledge uh, that you got to win these games. Good teams don't lose these games. We've won these games in the past and it hasn't meant shit when it comes to October. Uh, so so maybe there's something to be said of like, hey, maybe you only get like 10 of these a year and maybe we're not using any of them and we're saving them for later. But, um, <laughs> The problem is we might not get there if we don't do this. So it's kind of that like double-edged sword of it where it's like, hey, uh, yeah. yeah, I get that like we're losing these tough games and, and really battling and really figuring out, hey, you know, when when the going yeah. gets tough kind of stuff. But, yeah, like like you said, it, it's, it's really unexplainable things that are going on where it's like, hey, like we see it. Like we, we, can, we understand it's happening, but it, the the – the, you know, the difference is it shouldn't be happening. And, mm-hmm. again, I, you just don't get that sense that whether it's Rocco, whether it's the, uh, you know, upper management part of it, whether it's other players, that we just have the makeup of having guys that are like, yeah, like, this is unacceptable, guys. And I'm sure they've done a closed-door players-only meeting that always go on when, you know, whatever. And it basically it's just an opportunity for the veterans to yell at all the team and air out whatever and say, hey, this is this sucks. We got to be winning more games. But 
again, you look at this team makeup, and it's not really like it's not really built with winners. Like it's a bunch of guys that grew up in the Twins organization, don't really know any difference. Or you bring in a guy like Josh Donaldson, uh, you know, Nelson Cruz and, and Kenta Maeda are kind of the guys. And it's like, hey, none of them have like a World Series ring. Uh, not to my knowledge. I know Nelson Cruz technically lost that one World Series for the Rangers, but it's like the they, they just haven't been there. No, Kenta Maeda has been to a World Series, but like they were questioning whether he should be a bullpen guy or be like the fourth starter all the time. So it's mm-hmm. I get that they've been there and we can you can find pieces that have been there, but yeah, it's just again we go back to when we talked months ago of when we we're trying to build this team out and we start looking for pieces and a way to kind of again rope back into. You know, it, and I get contract wise, there's a limited stuff we could do, but man, like the Royce Lewis injury is a killer right now. Absolute killer. No one's fault on that. Not blaming anybody. But the fact that, again, we pretty much were banking on Alex Kriloff and Trevor Larnick to just be these guys that they aren't all right. Like they aren't those guys right now. Like we were expecting like rookie of the year campaigns out of these guys. The fact that they can barely sniff a hit when they're up here and Larnick hasn't even been up here. It's been Brent Rooker. Um, yeah. And they're both 24 and we just insisted on not trading them for bona fide studs. Like not saying that these offers are on the table, but you start looking at some of these offers again, I'll pound. I, I will probably go to my grave, Dave saying that like no one Arenado could have been had. And maybe he doesn't want to come to Minnesota and maybe Josh Donaldson. Then we have to figure something out there or whatever you figure it out. You just you just do it, and the fact that again we're just like, hey, we're just gonna keep them. Like we could have got a legit starting pitcher last year at the deadline, just insisted on not trading guys. Nope, not doing it. Man, like these guys are just, and this is the issue. Like we get to the same point of Max Kepler at age twenty four was an everyday player, right? Jorge Polanco, and again these guys aren't like all stars. I guess Jorge Polanco technically was Jorge Polanco at twenty four, everyday player. Uh, Luis Arias at 22, like, is is in the mix now. Is like 23, 24, everyday player, all lesser prospects than 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 Royce Lewis, who again injury, not his fault, but with Kirillov, and we just cannot figure out how to get the top. St- These are the top guys. These are the guys yep. that were supposed to be the franchise guys, and yep. they're not even close till ready. And how you didn't tr- tr- like ch- exchange that for a legitimate like player? What are we doing? This is exactly to that point of like, we, we had some consternation early on about like trying to like, we were trying to do, it seemed like they're in two different modes, right? Like we, 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 it was decisions made by the front office. Like we're in, we're all in, but you know, we're also like banking on some things falling in place that again, like you're pointing out, weren't like, who were we, what were we kidding ourselves? So I, this, uh, trying to kind of come back to where we're at. We started with the blame game. And we've, we've highlighted three areas, you know, front office um, decisions and putting this whole entire club together, Rocco Baldelli's management of that and a Colomay. So I, 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 with that kind of like clearly identified, like there's a laundry list of, of stuff you can point to here. Um, what do you do? And, and this is kind of like for me asking you, Ryan, uh, as like, what are you, what are you going to do as like just a fan, but also put that, put that hat on of like, okay, you're pulling it back up here once more, seven and 15. 
it's April. Do you say and give yourself just like it's April? This is baseball. It's weird. Division is led by the Kansas City Royals. Do we think the Kansas City Royals are going to win? No, it's okay. Quit hitting the alarm button. Um, or like you were just mentioning it before we started potting, was kind of like, here's who you move. Here's what you do. Here's what you hope you can get in return for a midseason little trade of Nelson Cruz to a playoff bound Kansas City Royals. Like, what? Where are you at, Woody? As as somebody following the Twins, maybe a, a fan of, but also like, what do you think they should do? And I don't know how you announce this, but you need to very clearly, and you've got about two, maybe three weeks to figure this out. June 1st is too late, in my opinion. You either need to figure out, are we in? Are we all in this year? Like, are we are we really trying to win? <clears throat> or, like, are we looking towards 2022? This start has, it, all this start does to me is expedites that question. Usually you hope that like by mid-July you get to ask yourself this. We've got to ask ourselves this on by May 15th we need an answer. Yeah. Because yeah. that means then we can start shifting stuff around, and it sucks because here's the names that are going to be start. This is where you have to start looking at what are we going to do. Like that means Kirilov is just starting in the outfield. He just is. If, if, let's, let's start with the my more favorite to talk about. Let's blow it up and let's look towards 2022. That means Donaldson, Cruz, uh, Maeda, Barrios, Pineda, all instantly. Barrios a little bit, maybe less, but all are, hey, uh, let's start pulling up that updated 2021 MLB top 100 prospect list and let's start identifying guys. Yep. Um, Cruz, I think, could fetch you at least one. Uh, Donaldson could maybe get you a bottom half one. Uh, maybe, maybe a, a bullpen arm that you could build around. Uh, Pineda, same kind of deal, like hot arm. You know, he's he's been, again Pineda, Barrios, uh, Cruz, Buxton, a couple guys. You know, Anderson Simmons, D- Donaldson. To, to his credit, they've all done pretty well. Start right, the year off. Right, yep, yep. Um, but we need to know so we can start planning because I think that get, you get really dangerous if you if you start taking that into June and July because I think then some teams can start taking advantage of you. I would rather us be the first team to make that move of, wow, blockbuster trade today. Nelson Cruz to the New York Yankees for Davey Garcia and prospect to be named later. Like, oh, shit. Okay, that's what we're doing. Um, yeah. Or, and again, I could go for prospects forever, but, or you figure it out and you say, okay, like, do we know that Royce Lewis off an ACL tear and a Tommy John surgery in the last 750 days is a bona fide, like, generational talent or I don't know Sonny Gray <laughs> sounds pretty nice right and I don't again I don't know if the rotations that the area to address but I just think that's a name off the top of my head right that you could think of um reliever find some sort of closing situation hey team that's not doing great got a cool arm sweet send them our way uh you can have a top top prospect and I mm-hmm. as much as I hate trading top prospects for you know, relievers but again I I don't want to take that conversation in the June I really want to declare it early, and then like let's just figure it out. Um, it could be career off moving, and then just say, "Hey, you you guys are a struggling team, or you want a first baseman, power hitter, or corner outfielder, power hitter for the next decade? Here you go. Just give us some bullpen help. Give us something, because um, these guys are feeling like if we're gonna go for it this year, which the roster says we should, with how old certain guys are, with how well they're playing, 
we we need to really have that conversation of are we are we sure we want to wait on these prospects? Are we sure yeah. we want to keep doing it? I get it. Like we're like we're part, we're pot committed, but yeah. like what's the point here to be like to see something through because we feel like we put a bunch of time and investment in it or to make the right move of hey, can we sneak a wild card spot out? Cuz I think the division is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to to make those games back up and get to 95 wins. Like let's be honest. Yeah, I was I was just going to say you you can't give games back you know both like you don't have to give games back when you win and you can't get them back when you lose so when you lose 10 inning games that sucks because you're not winning that game uh that that idea of kind of saying like here's may 15th you've you forced yourself into this situation by the way can we also just pause and say miguel snow thanks for nothing just thanks for nothing um does that mean that you know on the heels of today on the heels of his other last one, two, three, four appearances, Alex Colome is outright, outright waived. Like we've had relievers on this team that kind of like just disappear and, you know, like oblique strain or something like that. And he just never comes back. But I mean, I, I am in the camp of like message needs to be sent as you're seven and 15, just not finding anything casting around for something like you have to do something, I, I, I guess is where I'm, or I'm kind of the frustration at a boiling point with regards to the apathy that they've shown. And like Rocco's comments tonight, just being like, Oh, tough games, you know, well, you know, it's the way it goes. Like, no, do something, do something. And if that, and I'd be happy if it goes either way, honestly, like I want to watch competitive baseball. It's tough to sit here and turn a twins game on when you know where it's going. But if you give me something at least be like, here's where our plan is. We are, we are, we understand the situation and we're going to move a lot of pieces to get us in a better place in 2022. I just am mostly concerned about where the contract negotiations stand with Byron Buxton, because apparently uh, he is everything we all knew he could be. And the twins did not sign him to an extension. So this is his contract year, by the way, uh, cough from our softball team who and I got in an argument the other night about if it was his contract year and I feel vindicated now. Um, but yeah, that's that's I was just kind of all I, I, you know, sitting here on a Tuesday evening, I'm like, cut Colomay, just wave him. Just just I don't want to see him throw another pitch in a twins uniform like that point of unreason or not even reasonable approach. I mean, he's probably perfectly serviceable in a sixth or seventh inning if you need a guy to get you an inning or get you an outs. Uh, but, yeah, he can't be high leverage. But at this point in time, send a message, somebody say or do something. Rocco Baldelli at the, you know, whatever level. So that that's what I'm calling for. And, you know, this doesn't lessen me interest in baseball. It's just kind of, it, it's kind of nice that we have a lot of other avenues that we can pour our interests into in terms of baseball, which, uh, you know, that, that can be our, our tentative bridge over into tops NFT territory, Woody, um, but yeah, I, I love that May 15th, like this team needs to know what it's about. And I would love to see something happen by the end of this week, you know, not only win a fucking game, but maybe make a, make a statement with your roster. Yeah. It, and I know it's tough to make trades in May, so I'm not saying you'd make the trade in May. You just need to make the decision because yeah. then on May 16th, I don't, and again, we don't announce things in baseball, right? But Alex Kirillov just posted in right field. And kept, you know, what or left field or whatever you want to do, right? He's just there, and all of a sudden it's like we get to May twenty fifth, like, wow, Alex, Ka you know, you know, or you know, 
uh, not Kepler, uh, Kirillov is like doing pretty well. <laughs> He's played like 10 games in a row in right field. That's weird. Man, we he didn't mash the ball in the in the two at bats I saw today, and like including one off the wall for a hey. double or a long. He got thrown out, take trying to get two, which apparently they could use that run. But yeah, no, so. it's, it's, yeah, for sure. Uh, three things to find to finish up on Twin Stock before we move into Top Stock. One, Buxton semi contract year. So to clean that yep. up, fourth year of arbitration next year because we held him back the one year and. For all the things we say is terrible about doing that, it's kind of helping us out now. Although it's not helping us out because it would have been really nice to work out that contract this summer or this off season. And said we let him have this monster year, and now he's probably going to make like twenty five million a year. So, oh boy, I don't know how we free that up. I mean, it's Nelson Cruz money. We've explained that before, where it's like, yeah, we just we're not bringing Cruz back next year, um, which is you know fine. But uh, in terms of just outright waving an opening day closer in the middle of the season. We did this two years ago with Blake Parker. Uh, yes, that's who I was thinking about. Yeah. Thank you. So it, it has been done literally by this team with a pitcher that's kind of been the same way, although Blake Parker, oh, man. I it I was actually having flashbacks this offseason when we kept announcing the names that were going to be the bullpen guys to 2019 when this happened because I remember thinking, like, why the fuck are we bringing Blake Parker in? Like, oh, he's our closer? What are, like, it's like, no, like, if he was just going to be a guy that we overpaid, okay, whatever, we're just giving him a tryout. But, no, it was terrible decision then, terrible decision 2021 to figure that out. Uh, last thing, less less seriously tied to, to baseball, more the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer soccer fusion with Minnesota Twins. Um, I do wish that we had more, like, manager, like, how their manager interviews happen, where they have like the the British press that are just like, yeah, I'm going to ask you, like, seven questions in a row, and some of them are going to get really intrusive, and you've got nowhere to run. Uh, if you don't answer these questions, you're going to get absolutely just destroyed tomorrow in the local papers. Um, we're going to just straight up ask you, like, so, Alex Colome, you thinking about cutting him or are you thinking about just demoting him? I, I like how they're face. always the, – the manager's, like, right up against – they have those uh, – the sponsorship <laughs> yeah. wall, and they're kind of like – they are literally in the corner. And you, you, that's one that I'd love to see the the other view, like what they're seeing as, you know, every mm-hmm. Sky, re, Sky News reporter's got, like, something shoved in their face, the sun or whatever – uh, English rag is covering set. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I don't have I, any sympathy I, for him, but because no, no, you know. definitely not. <laughs> but it's it, yeah, it'd be great. It, I, it, it just I, the 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 way that in granted the Zoom stuff doesn't help this year, but even in general, the the post game press conferences are they're just so safe. None of these writers are like they're so afraid, and I get that, but it's like also too where, like. It, it'd be nice to press him because it'd, it, it'd be nice to see that side of Rocco of, like, get a little fire of, like, hey, how about you don't ask me that question, dude? Like, I'm going to stand up for my guys, obviously. Obviously, you haven't done well. But, like, you'd like to see, okay, he has a little fire with us. He probably has some fire with the players. But right now, he's just so, like, no, we're going to figure it out. We're just going to keep working hard every day. And it's like, hey, man, like, cliches work for the teams that win. But, like, there's also, like, 22 teams that don't make the playoffs. And those cliches didn't work for those guys. So, I don't know. I yeah. Well, like I said, May fifteenth, important day. Um, I don't think Colome will be the closer at that point. Taylor Rogers, <laughs> hopefully, won't be back in that role. Uh, but we'll see. Who, we'll see. Who is their setup man? Who does the seventh <laughs> inning? <laughs> don't ask these questions. Uh, J. A. Hap's gonna go. <laughs> go eight innings each time. Did they lose that game. That Hap almost did no hitter. Yeah, no, we did win that one. Two nothing. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. Free, earliest free agency 2023, but earliest arbitration. 
Yep. One more year. Byron, it's... stay with us. We need you. You're the sole positive it, spot. I, I hate to say it, and this is we'll tease this for next probably not next episode, that'll be too soon, but somewhere second half of the season. If Byron Buxton does not agree to a contract, because he's gonna win arbitration. He's gonna ask for what's the highest you've ever asked for in year four. He's gonna ask for thirty million. We're gonna probably say we're gonna pay you fifteen, eighteen, and then he'll, you know, arbitra is it arbitrators just rule player or team they don't get to like decide a middle ground right it's one or the other yeah it now if he falls off a cliff and ends up batting you know 270 at the end of the season you know maybe not but like hey that's not happening right that's not happening we're gonna win 52 games he's gonna bat 400 and hit 45 (laughs) so if that happens he's gonna make whatever he wants if we can't agree to a contract because again i think he'll be 28 you figure mauer got what eight years 184 I mean, he's going to get eight years, 200 at least. Like, that, you, you just figure a, a contract a decade later, it's going to have to be that. If we just say, like, we can't pay you because you've not shown the injury history, like, the comp, like the again, the episode in August is what the, the three the, the three best de- trade packages for Byron Buxton, which could be <laughs> a sad, sad, uh, sad day. But that's for another day. Today, yeah. though, we have our favorite – New NFT of the pod, um, although the wax cryptocurrency set has been a little bit less exciting, but good old uh, good old Tops Wax. Um, I, I wish they had a different name for it. I really do. Yeah. But it, it, oh well, it, it always is going to bring up comparisons, at least for for us, in comparison to Top Shot. And I'm not going to lie, Top Shot's not a bad name. Like that that kind of resonates, but. Yeah, like what? What do we call this? Tops wax, MLB wax, tops NFT. Like it, nothing, nothing quite works. But you, you and I both uh, purchased a goodly amount of NFTs on the tops drop of their first ever NFTs on April. Was that the twentieth? I believe. I think it was four twenty. Yeah. 420. Uh, we we did okay. Both of us have been playing around with our wax wallets and selling some of our NFTs on Atomic. And I think, you know, not only it's been almost a tenfold investment or return on our, our investment, um, if we could get that money out of wax, the currency that NFT uh, that Tops uses for its NFTs. Uh, but from that standpoint, it's been a quote unquote, a success with what we've been able to get from that uh, monetarily, but on a larger sense, where where are you at with this NFT craze finding its way into Major League Baseball, um, specifically with our old friends at Tops who are up to their usual shenanigans in terms of <laughs> what's in those packs? <laughs> to which our, our good friend Henry was kind of like, "Are you guys like outraged and obsessed by this?" I'm like, "No, this doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> all their good cards were all the good." moments nfts were in the first couple packs to be opened like i I think they do this anyway (laughs) not too concerned man i'm just keep coming back to the well yeah yeah, it i I do feel bad for the the fresh faces in specifically like sports cards in general and then the nft part of it obviously is layered on but uh i feel like the ones that have been in sports cards and then migrated over to tops wax or top shot or or whatever um, 
they're in it because they're degenerates. They're not in it because NFTs are cool and this like possible yep. like huge yep. like thing that could be a decades long like investment. Like we're just here to rip packs and to like yep. hopefully get yep. like the one or two <laughs> sweet cards that we were looking for in the set. Um, we're not really here thinking like what are we gonna do in twenty years unless we get like the card that like we need to get out of the set that hey newsflash and now introducing the NFTers into this into this space. They're all <laughs> looking for the same card. So I. Good luck. Um, but yeah, it's the, I mean, I'm all in. I, I, I think this is such yeah. a cool thing. I think as the world becomes more and more digital, uh, although citing a new New York Times article of like, apparently like it takes up like enough, like the same electricity to produce like 10 NFTs as it does to power like third world countries for like a month or something. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but I'm not, not believing it. <laughs> um, it's just like a weird thing. Uh, but no, it. I think I think it's such a cool thing to. Again, I. I think this is ahead of its time in the sense that we don't have the technology yet to fully appreciate what's going on. You think a Top Shot, everyone's like, why would I just want to view a highlight of a Luka Doncic assist or a LeBron James dunk on my phone or on my computer or whatever? Um, not thinking that maybe in 10 or 15 years there's something that could come with that that now makes that thing like really really cool and not just a highlight that you own on your phone uh i i think this could be the new thing we talk about grading we've had the issues with that all summer all winter all last year uh that's been heating up like the the raw cards we've talked about this all the time whether it's centering corners you know surface you know print lines and things like that this is kind of like a new way to just let's just take all of that out of here. Let's just take yes. it out and let's just yeah. get back to what we really want. Everything is the same thing. It's all fair. It's not like, oh, I packed this really cool card, but oh man, there's a print line. Don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And now let's just see, you know, the actual card, like what we're gonna do with it and what <laughs> it's worth. And to me, that Love that's that. that's that's part of it. It's part of the collecting part. Again, I, you're we've talked about this before too in this the card section here of the pod where you're probably more a little bit more collection based. I'm probably a little bit more like flipping kind of seeing like transactional based kind of stuff. Um, but again, I just think it's a cool new space where sports cards for a hundred years hasn't really changed. Like it's just kind of been the same thing outside of you don't get bubble gum with your cards really anymore other than those weird packs. But um, now we get to add the the digital side of it where again, I, I, while I don't think flying cars are coming anytime soon, I think it's realistic to understand, like, to just accept that we're going to become more digitally reliant as we keep going forward. And so who knows in 10 to 20 years what this could be. And I also like, I, I really just, I have no time for the whole, like, well, I'd just rather have my, this is so dumb. Like I just, I just need to, I need the physical cards. Like, great. You do that. Like what, what's that? Why does that give you any space to condemn this? You might think it's dumb, that that's cool. That's your own prerogative. Like I, I just, I have no time or space or energy to kind of be like, okay, cool. You don't think it's anything. Well, that's fine. Like, don't be a part of it then. As simple as that. There's a bunch of people who want to be a part of that. And also like, this is just a piece of cardboard with Tyler Beatty's name on the backside of it's half printed in French, which means this is $2. That doesn't make any sense either. Like th these things don't make any sense. They're pictures of grown ass men. And this thing's been around for 70 years. Tops has been like celebrating that all, uh, all year and will continue to do so. But 
this stuff resonates. And I think Top Shot NFTs for tops and baseball and whatever football decides to do with this, whatever global soccer, whether UEFA is hopefully doing something around this, or maybe they're just spending on future uh, Super Leagues. Uh, but to, to see what the Premier League could do with this, to see what and where this could go, I'm all, I'm all, I am all in on that. And I love that point about it's taking out some of what is most obnoxious about collecting at present. And you, you, you pointed out like, I, yes, I would like to put, put together like complete sets. I can do that all day with physical cards. And, and that's kind of cool just to have something there. I, I don't think I'm going to be doing that with NFTs. Like I, I do look around and every once in a while I see on Twitter, like somebody boasting about how they haven't opened up one of their packs yet. And they've just got like this collection of 20 unopened top shot packs. Or I think the premium packs on uh for Tops's NFT are going for like a grand each now, Woody. Is that is that possible? Oh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to hear that. I, I I am I am here for the flipping on the NFTs. And it's it's kind of because I also want to cover my bets too and make sure like my initial investment is covered so I can like go back upstairs and be like, Hey, I made us a hundred bucks today. Yes. I spent a hundred bucks on NFTs, but uh, so I, I like that. And I think there is a space too, for me to like hang on to my Byron Buxton rainbow NFT or my <laughs> Boban Marjanovic top shot. Like I, I have all these small things that I'm really like, I'm going to hang on to this plus what I think you and I are like in a space being in the early part is we can kind of plot that. And I think we also can hedge our bets long-term. Like I've told you, I've got one Shohei Otani that apparently is selling well right now. It's like, I don't need to sell that to recoup. I might hang on to that and just see down the road when Shohei becomes the first 200 game winner, who's also hit 200 home runs uh, here. I've got his NFT, his first NFT. Um so I, th- I think we're, we're in a lucky spot with how we've approached this. I'll, I'll give ourselves a small little pat on the back or whatever we want with being involved in this. And yeah, like you said, it's who knows where this is going to go because I also think money-wise, like the NBA put money on this. Like they, they officially licensed Top Shot. MLB put money on this and officially licensed Tops. Like this is where the money's going. So there's kind of a smart bet of being like, follow that like it's it's something they're they're vested in they're putting money into that tops you know dictates the baseball market and they're putting money into this so that, that's i love that idea of what this could do like being on the blockchain and what that represents in terms of some degree of democracy i just hope that they really do what top shot has done or what i feel top shot has done this is comparing tops to top shot and this is going to get really confusing but uh making sure that there is a democratic approach to this. And it's certainly randomized. So Woody gets, you got 200 in the last pack drop, uh, like right for, for top shot. And usually you're like number 379,000. So I, I, I hope that there's a, there's an element of keeping this democratic randomness and really stopping bots and making sure those who want to get in on this can get in on this. Cause that was a big block for you with, with Top Shot was you just could never get in early because there was a big demand and that was, that's okay. I'd rather have that than everything was bought up on the Panini or Tops website and none of us could get this the amazing $100 deal for, I'm thinking that the product that I missed the most last year was the 
um, Topps finest flashbacks from last season that Topps did that are gone in seconds because bots just eat them all up or they all go to any number of the big uh, retail outfits. So that's, I, I wholeheartedly agree with your pointing out like, hey, it's, you don't have to worry about grading. You can see which one this is. That's really cool. And I hope that there's an element of dem democracy with regards to these are available to anybody that wants to put the 499 or 199, whatever it is, to get these packs. And that that's if they can keep doing that, like I'm I'm here, I'm interested. I I, I want to be a part of this. So Yeah. Have it has has Tops come out and announced yet that the that this is a beta, or are they saying that this is just it is? I don't think I've heard beta yet mentioned with it. I have not not to the not to the extent that, you know, I can pull up NBA top shot right now and it still screams beta in the top mm -hmm. left corner there. Yeah. So I that is one part of it where it's like my assumption as we get farther into this with top shot with this, with whether it's so rare, whether it's whatever NFT you think you're going through, uh that once we get out of the beta thing, I think it's going to be significantly more accessible i think right now it's literally let's test it let's see what the market is like all that stuff and they're being smart not just being like hey we're good we have a mark you know top shot has what it has to have over five hundred thousand, if not like a million users now probably more um like oh let's just keep bouncing with that and like no they keep growing it knowing like our goal is I don't know what they're called, like 50 million people, right? Before we get the beta off or whatever. Once that is, I think we start to get to a point where like packs are like always available. If you just want to buy a pack, you can just buy one. But right yeah. now that demand is so high because like we don't really care and we don't really know what's going on and there's it's way too new uh, to really understand like market dynamics, which is a big part of all these that's driving it, right? It's perceived value. It's like for us who come from the, you know, the, the hard copies of like paper cards we understand that that market driving in is a very real thing um and that's another thing i like about this with with you know the tops wax here where it there the market's right here like it's easily accessible yeah. everyone so uses cool. it you can see so it great. versus you know we buy a box of you know we have uh, a box of prison basketball we have ebay um we have a couple other like random sites but none of them are centralized none of them really understand it it's just really them just like reading transactions that have happened on eBay, on a couple other sites, but like they don't really know. This is like, hey, you got to go through here. We can see it all in, in like live. We can see digitally. You can view serial number like fourteen of two thousand eight hundred. You know it's there. Versus like we don't really know. Like you talk about like the PSA tens and stuff, and the PSA pops. Those are only accurate to some level, but like we don't know where they are. So I think that just having the market here, having it with built within the system. Uh, and you you, you mentioned too of like the people like oh I don't get it why would you want the, per the paper copy I don't get this thing blah 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 whatever it's like cool but like the only reason you can say that now is because you have 70 years of paper stuff and you have like a like, history of it once that starts shifting and people start pulling their money out of the paper market which would come in the low end middle right the high end stuff is safe don't worry about your LeBron rookies your Trout rookies your Mickey Mantle 52s none of that stuff's that that's all out of, out of the question but your middle end stuff your Royce Lewis PSA 10s um <laughs> are are possibly at risk here right unless they become you know the next I don't know Derek Jeter or whatever but uh where they start going digital, some of that money is going to have to shift, right? It's going to have to go yeah. into the digital sense. And I think then all of a sudden when your collection just drops value, 
because you don't have enough high-end stuff to keep it afloat, and you're relying on all this middle stuff that you could flip easy, and it's all that stuff, that market just shifts over to digital formats. I think that's when you start seeing a ton more people. Like, you'll have this weird second wave of, oh, man, like, my Alec Baum rookie collection is really not that great because nobody wants the paper copy of it. They want the top Series 1, like, rookie card version of it. We can't explain paper. If anyone thinks that they can explain paper, they're they're just making it up like the rest of us. So like, it's if it, 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 you we can't explain this either. But like, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of like it's kind of like the housing market, right? It's your house is worth what someone's gonna pay for it. And I just see it where not tomorrow, right? Not next week, but eventually the market's gonna even out. And I just see it as where. NFTs are just so much more easily accessible with everyone having smartphones, everyone having that. And that's only going to keep going. Um, I don't see how, I don't know if it takes over. I think they both have a spot. They both have a space, but I just see it as like a much more easily like understood thing of this is a real thing and you have to pay attention to it. Yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm sitting here kind of thinking what, what would that balancing point be? It's, it's fascinating to think about like if your tops or panini, you're kind of like, well, we've got our NFT game is off and running for, for tops for baseball. Um, you know, do, do we start, you know, there isn't a tops black, there isn't a, a, a Bowman first edition, you know, does that mean, and then also you're, you're again, thinking about that market and there is this massive influx of folks flocking to these hobbies because they feel they can make money or for whatever reason. And that, you know, that's also, it's really interesting because there's the pandemic side of this that's that's kind of channeled i think a lot of energies where they haven't traditionally gone and how much has this hobby benefited from that and will there be a pullback or are these folks here to stay because they found something that they're intrigued by or will they be sticking around for you know nfts and shoot woody let's say tops nft through wallet or through the wax uh falls flat i, I I think then you just like pick yourself, dust yourself off and they'll come back at it. Like, I, I guess I just don't see like from the, the top shots, not going to disappear overnight. Uh, you know, I, I don't think tops NFT is, and like you said, so rare might be a great example of how that's got a little longevity now and, and has kind of grown sneakily and is, is, you know, you've experienced all that a lot more and, messed around with a little bit more than I have. And that's still missing some of the like biggest leagues and biggest names. Um, so you find a space to get that, that seems to only, that seems to be steadily growing. And, you know, we're seeing this massive spike in both top shot and the wax uh, for tops on the NFT market. Like I, I, I don't have any reason to sit here and doubt that they're, they don't have staying power. I'm just also now like looking at the boxes of cards around me and being like, oh man, is it time to sell, 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 sell now? Uh, so that that's, it's, it's really interesting. And then, you know, ultimately you, you got to do what you got to do and what you're, what you're interested in. It's just be, might be a great moment to check yourself. Like it's not worth for you to go out and spend $2 and 99 cents on a pack of top series one at target anymore. Just unless, unless you're doing it just to physically have the, the complete set but you can also buy that for $49.99 at the end of the season too so what the hell are you doing david um yeah i i, I really like those points woody I, I think that's that's a lot to kind of consider and i'm 
I'm trying to discern like what the hell I should start just doing fire sales right now. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to come down to like the individual too. Right. I still think there's, like I said, I think there's still a space for collections and low end and middle end stuff and, and, and mid tier stuff. And, still having the physical stuff. Cause again, there's, there's, you know, things that are enjoyable about it, but uh, you know, what happens with the low end stuff, I could easily see a world where all the low end stuff makes it to NFT only. And then they start releasing like the mid level and the high level stuff still in, in, you know, paper, but they make it all about like physical exclusivity now too of now, Hey, let's change the game. Let's make it specifically about we'll, we'll print them better right? We're making so much money in 2020 and 2021. We'll make sure these print line things don't happen. We'll make the centering more fair and and not cut these cards terribly and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but like, let's only release like certain specific sets that are collector more heavy and let's leave the series one tops update, uh, opening day, uh, heritage, uh, you know, whatever. Um, you know, Panini Donruss. Let's get all that stuff on NFT. So you can just get all that stuff and do whatever you want. There's still cool rookies in it and whatever. But the other stuff now, the paper is going to be more about what NFTs are about. But now in a physical form, I, I, I could easily see them doing that. You know, and they might keep it the same. Who knows? Printing cards can't cost that much. But um, I, I, I think with the way this is going, though, and we've, we've talked about the crypto side of it, too, where the other thing that we're going to start see added because why not and we're all degenerates at some level at the end of the day once they add the gambling slash contest slash game aspect to the all of this it i don't know if that calls for instant de- you know regulation of it all because it probably will because we're gonna have a bunch of like gambling addicts that are just gonna be like trying to collect nfts me being one of them with so rare uh winning my first point zero one ethereum yes thank you uh I think Pepe Reina had a massive, uh, massive game and, and, and bailed me out right at the end there yesterday. But, um, but yeah, just the more of that kind of stuff where once you can add that into it, I think it just, now we have this thing of a lot of people are now like, why would I collect this? It's just a digital thing. Cool. It's on my phone, whatever. Yeah. But once there's something to do with it, not just collect, you can collect it and just do that, which is good enough for a lot of people. But now we're going to add this other element where there's things you can do with the collectible you have. I just think that's a home run. And I just think the the closer you get to that, which is where I heard Top Shot's coming out with something like that, and that'd be great. Um, mm. But once you get closer to that, I think it's there. And and, and I and it's that's just what this, I think, is all leading us towards is is that. Yeah. And you, uh, you mentioned the pandemic. Like, yeah, obviously once I feel like we're, you know, whatever you want to call it, out of the woods, safe, uh, back to – non-pandemic times there's going to be this huge rush away from anything that was pandemic heavy because everyone's going to want to like hug their friends and go see a movie that's super shitty and like do all these things they couldn't do but then everyone's going to have this big pullback again of like actually i had like 24 months to figure out that maybe i don't need some of these things and then they're going to kind of drift back into those spaces again so the next couple i say all that basically saying the next couple years are going to be this weird like rocky wavy like we're trying to sift through it but, like, no one's going to go pay $25 a piece plus $25 for a bucket of popcorn to go watch some shitty rom-com in the middle of the day in July. They aren't. Like, we're just not going to. Unless it's a Marvel movie, the Star Wars reboot, or, like, no, I don't even know. Like, the next Christopher Nolan movie. No one's going to movies anymore, right? So all that money has to go somewhere. And I, I just see, like, more things like 
you know, specifically movies, but plenty of other things. Like, you can already do the outdoor stuff still, so you're fine there. It's all got to go somewhere. And I just see whether it's tops, wax, NFTs, or it's something completely different. I just think that we're just headed towards funneling ourselves into like a digital exclusive kind of, you know, society. And whether that's good or bad, I don't know. We could debate that till yeah, whenever. No, I, I think this is, you know, we, we, we kind of said there was a May 15th point for the twins to check back in, see how they're doing the check-in point for the conversation between NFTs and physical give ourselves like that six months after we really can kind of say like the pandemic is behind us to an extent uh, or that, that, like you said, that what's going to happen, that roller coaster of a year. Love that. Love that. Oh, well, I'm glad we could like end on something positive that we at least both are benefiting from Unlike yes. spending three and a half hours watching Bally sports North and um, <laughs> <laughs> getting disappointed in the ninth inning by our, our bullpen once again. But, uh, uh, I think again, like we got, we got May fifteenth. Our the the flyover territory podcasts official slash unofficial date of what are you gonna do? And we need an answer. And the answer won't obviously be in a cool Premier League press presser after a game from Rocco Baldelli. <laughs> It'll come in some form of like lineup showing and like how we decide to go about that. <laughs> um, is Alex Kirilov just our starting left fielder? All of a sudden is. Uh, Bolasovich all of a sudden just like pitching at a, a CHS field and, and and ready to ready ready to throw whenever we need them um, kind of stuff like that. But I think answers will be there. And then uh, yeah, hopefully Buxton's uh, still batting 400 and Nelson Cruz is uh, still on whatever he's on to be hitting as many home runs and for 3:30 at age 40, which is unbelievable. <laughs> like this is happening again. Like again. Yep. He, He's on yep. pace for the same season, three, three, 30, 35 homers, hundred RBI. It's nuts. Um, but, uh, any last, uh, parting shots there before, uh, we, uh, head off. I was just going to say, I'm pulling up our calendar right now and probably going to make a calendar event for May 15th. Uh, I think I'm working that, that evening, but I think once we get back, once I get back, that might be a uh, emergency podcast <laughs> moment right there on, on May 15th, create an event right now. Put it on your calendars. I, I, I love the idea, too, that this is Flyover Territory coming with you with some positive, helping you navigate these dark, dark times, Minnesota Twins fans. Fear not. Dave and Woody are here to uh, help you help you um, figure out how to navigate this. And, you know, if, if you want to support us in uh, ways, uh, you know, send us those NFTs. <laughs> Or Woody and I, after this, will be crafting a pack of the uh, 1992 Redux cards because I just bought that. So, Like that. I'm in there. I think, yeah, May 15th. I believe we have a, a Saints game right around that time as well, too. Yes, we do. Uh, so we we'll do. go check that out and maybe report back with uh, what's going on down on the farm, as the old uh, Metrodome uh, slash tar- Target Field video would suggest. But uh <laughs> I like that the farm is now just like 10 miles down the road or whatever the distance is instead of uh, how Minneapolis has always viewed St. Paul. <laughs> that's, that's very true. That's very true. But uh, cool. Until next time, which hopefully will be around May 15th. And hopefully we have an answer of where we're going. Um, and maybe, maybe let's just fingers crossed only be at like 22 losses on the season. Uh, but yeah, 
rough, rough to, call rough to come back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, for Dave, uh, this has been Woody. This has been Five of Territory Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Mm-hmm.